grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, my brothers and sisters in Christ. When my wife and I moved down to El Paso, we had a checklist of things that we were looking for right away. And on that checklist was a good pizza place. And you know what we found? El Paso has good pizza. But good pizza means different things to different people, right? There's the pizza place that's good because it's cheap. There's the pizza place that's good because it's close. There's the pizza place that's good because it's fancy. Good pizza can mean all sorts of different things. And even that word good is kind of a squishy word, right? Good can mean so many different things in different situations. I'm going to go ahead and assume that everyone would agree that God is good. But what's your definition of good? Is God good because he created you? Because he's watching over you? Because in his book, he gives us helpful advice that makes you feel better about your life and about yourself? God is good, but exactly what kind of good is God? Because we meet a man in our gospel lesson who agreed that God is good, who agreed that Jesus is good, but he's about to find out exactly how good God is. Our lesson starts like this. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud, honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. This man runs up to, to Jesus and you have to appreciate his attitude because over the, the past few weeks in our gospel lessons, the Pharisees are constantly grilling Jesus, interrogating Jesus, asking questions to test Jesus. Finally, Someone comes to Jesus who has a bit of respect. He falls at Jesus' feet. He calls him good teacher, a respectful title. And it fits. Jesus is a good teacher. Think of a teacher that you really appreciated, who you would call good. They were probably uh, compassionate with you. They were probably passionate about their subject matter. They probably came up with different ways to talk about the lessons. They were good because they were passionate. Nobody is more passionate than Jesus. Jesus is a compassionate teacher. He uses illustrations when he's teaching us. He really is a good teacher, but also because he has good things to say. But maybe the way Jesus responds to this guy's question causes us to raise our eyebrows a bit. This man asks, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus answers the question exactly how it was asked. If you're going to talk about what must I do to inherit eternal life, then that's easy. Follow the law of God. Jesus quotes the commandments that summarize what we might call the second table of the law. Love thy neighbor as thyself, is what Jesus tells him. And the guy says, great, 
if that's it, I've done a pretty good job. So I'm headed to heaven, aren't I, Jesus? But not so fast. Jesus is the good teacher, and he's not done with this guy yet. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go, sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Do you disagree with Jesus' teaching methods here? We agree that Jesus is a good teacher, but maybe we, if you were in Jesus' shoes, would you have the conversation a little bit differently? Jesus, just tell this guy that you're the Savior. He's asking about how to get to heaven. Just tell him that you are on your way right now to go to the cross, to die for his sins. Isn't that easy, Jesus? This seems like such an easy pickup. He's sitting right there. Just tell him about yourself. But Jesus can see straight into that guy's heart. He knows that he doesn't think God is good. He thinks he is good. Look at the question that he asks. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus, tell me what I need to do to get God off my back. And if it's as easy as following some rules, then good. And maybe this guy even thought that the reason that he was rich was because God was so satisfied with him. Jesus can see that there is a truth that this man has been ignoring for most of his life, probably. A truth that is buried under heaps of dirt in his heart, and Jesus is going to unearth it. There is a pressure point that this man has, and Jesus is going to push it, and it hurts. And it hurts too much, because the man can't stand the thought of parting with his wealth. Brothers and sisters, if we're putting something, a good sign that we are putting something ahead of God in our heart is if when we think about it and we think about losing it, we have no idea how we would survive, how we could go on. That was wealth for this man, and Jesus knew it, so Jesus went after wealth. But for us, it could be money. It could be a car. It could be another person. Anything other than God, if we can't stand the thought of losing it, if the thought of losing it is like Jesus putting his finger on a pressure point and causing us pain, that's a sign that maybe we have something in our heart that we're ignoring. I think the reason that this gospel lesson makes us uncomfortable, makes me uncomfortable, is because I identify so well with this guy. He's asking a simple question, and Jesus gives him a command that's more than I could handle, let alone this guy. He seems like a good guy. But that's the thing. You can seem like a good guy and still not be good with God. You can think that you are good with God, but still be clueless as to your own obedience. Because the fact is that this man was wrong when he said, all of these I have kept since I was a boy. None of us have obeyed God's law to the extent that we can earn eternal life. And that's what Jesus was trying to show him. 
This man was asking the wrong question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? That's just not how it works. And Jesus wants his disciples to know that. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at this, but Jesus said again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. You take the largest animal known in Palestine at the time, a camel, and you take the smallest opening anyone can think of, the eye of a needle. If you want to enter the kingdom of God on your own behavior, on your own good merits, it's as simple as taking that camel and ramming it through that eye of the needle. Call me when you're done. You can't do it. It's impossible, right? So what? All of us are doomed? None of us are going to heaven? None of us are entering the kingdom of God? Well, let's remember what Jesus said last week. You remember he said, anyone who does not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. The kingdom of God is not something that you do stuff and then enter. For you to enter the kingdom of God on your own works, on your own obedience, on your own good behavior, that's like ramming a camel through the eye of a needle. Because that's not how the kingdom of God works. It is something that you receive. Something that you are given. Because God knows that our obedience to him lacks a whole lot. That's why he did what he did. That's why he sent Jesus to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. You see, our disobedience to God separated us by, let's say, an ocean. And we can't swim across that ocean and reach God because he's on the other side. But he's not going to sit on the other side and say, hey, I'm over here. Find a way over to me. No, God swam to us and grabbed us and brought us into his kingdom of love, of acceptance, of belonging, of forgiveness. You are in the kingdom of God, brothers and sisters, because God has brought you in. What is impossible for us to do on our own is possible only through God, and he's done it. This man looks at the law, and he says, all of these I've kept since I was a boy. But haven't you heard somebody brag about something, but you know that they don't even believe what they're saying, right? This man is saying, I've done such a good job, I've never committed adultery, but maybe in that very moment his heart was reminding him of those times he looked at someone lustfully. He said, I've never committed murder, but maybe his own heart was condemning him for the times that he cursed someone and spoke hatefully to someone. You see, brothers and sisters, our hearts are constantly condemning us. Our consciences are constantly troubled by the ways we haven't followed God's law. But that's the beauty of your relationship with Christ. Because it does not depend on you. You are in God's kingdom. And when, God, when your conscience troubles you and reminds you of your sin, you can say, I know I'm a sinner. But I'm a sinner who is saved by Jesus. Freely by his grace. Because of how loving he is. Not because of how well I've, I've obeyed. And you can silence your troubled conscience. 
But we have to talk about this command of Jesus, don't we? Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Is that a command that he's giving to all of us? Do you all need to run out and sell your houses and your clothes and your cars and then give to the nearest charity? Probably not. But Jesus did give that same command to many of his disciples, and they followed it. And they followed him. He's looking around at his 12 disciples, and he's looking at guys who have sold their property, who have left jobs to follow Jesus. And Jesus wants them to know that's not going to be in vain because God is good. Brothers and sisters, you are more than your bank account. You are more than how the stock market is doing. You are more than your retirement fund. You are more than what's in your garage or in your, park, in your driveway. Because all of that could be taken away from you at a moment's notice. But God will still be good. You will still have your relationship with Jesus. You will still be in the kingdom of God. And so you know that if somebody breaks into your house and takes your $1,500 TV, you're going to be okay because God is good. If you give up a couple hours of work to come home and spend time with your family, nurture those relationships, it's going to be okay because God is good. If you come to church and give an offering, even though those, those dollars could be used to buy a bunch of groceries or whatever, it's going to be okay because God is good. Jesus wants you to see just exactly how good God is. He's not someone that you just obey to get off your back. He wants a relationship with you. He sent his son Jesus to die on a cross to make a relationship with you, to draw you into his kingdom, to show you how good he is. He's the best. God alone can do for you what he has done for you. So maybe it seems like the, Jesus is being cruel to this young man. But Jesus will call us out of our comfort zone so that we can find comfort in him. Jesus will make, a, will make us give up on being satisfied with ourselves so that we can be satisfied with him. Jesus will call to question the joy that we find in stuff or in just people so that we can find true joy in him. Jesus will stop at nothing. No pressure point is safe because he wants to show you that God alone is good, is worth your time, is worth your attention, is worth your life. Amen.